Okay, so we are going to continue our sermon sessions in the Gospel of John. And we will be in chapter 15, verses 1 and following. This here, of course, information being delivered to the disciples. That is the grammar we must respect in the context uh, of the chapter. And it is designed in comfort for the disciples of our Lord and Master because his death is um, coming. And um, he wants them to have the strength necessary to uh, understand the um, sacrifice needing to take place. And so with that information, of course, moving forward, verse 1 says, and I quote, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Uh, this information, of course, uh, comes from Psalm 80, verses 14b, if you will, through 17, which speaks of how the Father was indeed uh, the uh, cleaner of Israel in uh, the days of the Old Testament, and how the psalmist spoke of the coming Messiah, who would be indeed the true vine. For the vine was once Israel, and the father, the vine dresser of the old days, but now the son, who of course is perfect, the vine, true vine. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. And it's interesting how we've seen Jesus uh, speak of his um, description as God on earth. He has told the people that he was the bread, which of course allows nourishment. He has described himself as the light, which of course illuminates a path forward away from darkness and he has described himself as the shepherd which of course secures and guides the flock and now he is the true vine the source in which one must be found in and with productive um quite revealing and interesting for us to recognize and for, again, in respect and honor of the context, his disciples, his apostles, in which we're receiving this direct information. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch, verse 2, in me that does not bear fruit he takes away 
and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Jesus was going to depart this earth, <coughs> willfully so, permitting it to happen. He was going to depart this earth, but he was not going to leave his apostles as orphans. They were going to become the recipients of the poured out power of the Holy Spirit, which is miraculous, which is supernatural, and they would be governed by God through the penmanship of the Holy Spirit as inspired men. And they would come to memory all truth in which Christ spoke to them. They were going to hold an office of great responsibility, priority, and of course become the recipients of harsh persecution as their master before them. They needed to understand the responsibility through their free will to remain within the doctrine, the location, the spiritual sphere of the Christ. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, he cleans. He prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Interesting information to his disciples and in practical application for us today in our faith. We can understand that the true vine is indeed Jesus. And there is no way to the Father but through the Christ. And we must be found in Christ and bear fruit. Good fruit is, of course, the purpose we must achieve. That is the goal, to grow good fruit. And good fruit, of course, can be found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And if we go there, just so we can understand the kind of fruit that should be produced from branches. Let's see here, Galatians. Chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. There are no boundaries. We can abound in those things and produce those fruits palate after palate after palate after palate after palate. Okay? And those who do produce good fruit, God will bless with further opportunity to produce more. We tend to give more nutriment and more ground and soil to the plant who produces more fruit. We tend to prune the branch that is producing good fruit. And of course, 
It is important to understand the spiritual presence and authority from an earthly illustration of agriculture, if you will. Farming. God is the farmer. But there is also, of course, bad fruit. Useless fruit. Every branch in me. And that gives us insight to the fact that he is speaking of believers. In principle, again, or practical application, we Christians. You see, the world and its unbelievers are not in Christ. He is speaking to those in Christ. In direct context to the immediacy of his apostles, his disciples near him. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Interesting, in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verses, uh, let me see here. Yeah. 15, 16 following. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. He's not speaking of the unbeliever, those outside. He's speaking of believers. He says to, the, he says to them in verse 16, you will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. Again, back to John 15, verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. There are, of course, as you see, descriptions of fruit and how we can know if one is productive in Christ, one is not productive, or one is producing bad fruit. Very interesting indeed. And also, as it says in verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Look at... Chapter, who, where was it now? 13, I believe. Yes, verse, chapter 13 of the Gospel of John in verse 10. He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet. Remember, he was teaching his, uh, his disciples about the necessity of servitude and being humble towards one another. He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. Who is the cleaner? The vine dresser. And you are clean. But not all of you. He was speaking of one who was in, but not producing, yet was corrupted. Judas Iscariot removed. Interesting, isn't it? Chapter 15, again, verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Judas Iscariot was taken away. 
And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so it may bear more fruit. We are in Christ. It is our purpose in life to produce fruit as a branch, if you will. If we are not producing fruit, we're going to, with, of course, the blessings you've received, which should not be buried, but rather the talent should be utilized and uh, uh, um, cultivated into a great bounty, a, a wonderful crop. But if you are not utilizing your responsibilities properly for the further growth of the church, then you will be removed from even the little you were given and it will be transferred over to the branch that is producing so that greater nutriments can be given so that more of a bountiful crop can be uh, achieved. Okay, um, if I am the manager of five people at work, at work, I've made it with my integrity, my dignity to be trusted with the employer. He makes me a manager of five people. He makes another one a manager or supervisor, whichever title you prefer, of five people. You see where I'm going. One of us is a good steward of that opportunity, that task, that responsibility. And so we are taking great care of the five people we are managing or supervising. And because we are, those five are very productive. They truly eagerly anticipate going to work and they are producing for the employer. And that makes the employer very joyful. But you see the other manager or supervisor he wasn't a good steward of the five souls in which he was managing or supervising and they become disorderly and there is chaos in that department. And so the employer has no choice but to remove that supervisor or manager from his position. But what is he going to do? He's going to say, well, the other one was very, very upright and productive. So I trust that he can now take these five in that fold, be 10 together in which he can manage and supervise into productivity. We all follow that illustration. Makes sense. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. That's the hope and faith we have in this congregation. I see this within us and I think we all do how the fruits of the Spirit are being produced by our branches. And it is all because of the good work of our Lord and Master. We see peace. We see love. We see the willingness to forgive each other. We see the willingness to suffer long and be patient with each other. We see how we want to practice benevolence and we want to put each other as more important than our own selves. That will grow and God will bless us with more souls because if we are good stewards of what we have here, God is going to double the numbers and double the numbers because he will see us as responsible to take care and shepherd and grow good fruit. Verse 3, you are already clean 
because of the word which I have spoken to you. Remember, I'm sharing with you the text and its context and what's taking place there that must be respected, but I'm also wanting us to understand the practical application in our lives today. Because it's one thing to understand the information in this book academically, but if there is no application, if there's no way in which it will benefit our faith today, then it becomes useless and we fall prey, of course, to um, the ways of the world. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Interesting again to chapter 13 verse 10 in regards to the one who was not clean. And the word he speaks, of course, is truth. Thy word is truth. You see, in chapter 17, which we will be seeing uh, in the weeks coming, Lord willing, in chapter 17, verse 17, it says, Sanctify them truth. Your word is truth. And someone says, what is truth? What is the truth? It's reality. And it's deeper than that, of course, and there is much discussion to it, but... In its understanding, if someone ever says, what is the truth? It's reality. That's what the truth is. That's why it sets you free from the bondage of what is not reality, what is a lie, what is a myth, superstitions, emotional deceptions, false religious worldviews and traditions and practices, sinful practices, and endeavors and agendas. We can be set free and be made clean by the word. For the word is reality. And it is indeed sourced from the uh, master. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And here we enter into the abide. Abide. Many, many, numerous abide. Abide in me. That means do not depart the spiritual location of spiritual blessing in which you were made clean by the word. Abide, remain. Remain in the location of grace. Abide in me and I in you. Interesting how the son spoke in verse 1 of the unity he has with the father. The father and the son are one. And here he tells his disciples that he and his disciples can be one, united together. Verse 1, the authority and power of God together united. Verse 4, the purpose that has now been tasked allowing the unity between the Son and His servants. For we today, who walk according to the words of the Holy Spirit written in this book, we are one with the Son and He with us. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. 
you cannot produce any fruit if you are found outside. If you are not productive, there is no fulfillment and purpose in life. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. It must remain in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, verse 5. You are the branches. Again, put yourself in the first century. Jesus is there with his, well now, 11 apostles. Judas was not clean. He was corrupt. He went away. Those who remain are paying attention and they need comfort. They're going to lose their best friend. They're going to see their best friend depart from this earth. The man who gave them life and hope and purpose. The man who gave them nourishment is going to depart. And that is going to leave a deep cut, if you will, in their hearts. So they need this information and they will remember it strongly once all things take place. And they become the recipients of the helper, the comforter, the miraculous endowment of the Holy Spirit. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, verse 5, for apart from me you can do nothing. It's interesting also how the Christ would speak the parable of the sower and the many different soils and how one of the soil was good soil and the seed was able to germinate and take root and that individual became very fruitful for his Lord and Master, correct? He was a producer friends it is no doubt that as Christians we must produce we must be active in our faith with those around us co-workers friends neighbors family whether on social media or in the physical realm both we must be balanced we must be seasoned we must be wise we must have the right Temperament, I believe is the correct word, the proper behavior uh, to produce fruit. And it has been my experience, limited as it is in wisdom, that the fruits produced in love and compassion and peace and family are far more attractive than the heavy hand of rudeness or unrighteous confrontation and intimidation. What are we saying? God never called us to beat people up with the Bible, though I understand how tempting that would be at times with people we love dearly and would want them to change. Allow them to see how much we love each other and how... These branches are producing fruits of kindness and tenderness, of strength, mind you, of courage, but of understanding and reasoning and approachability. Let the community know the East Coast Church of Christ for what it has been producing. Love, the love of our Lord and Master. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you cannot do nothing. I find it quite unfortunate. We find it quite sad. Those who have chosen to withdraw themselves from the location of uh, fruitfulness where we can qualify to produce fruit. We find it sad those who have withdrawn themselves, who have fallen from that location and who have deceived themselves into thinking they can produce or be faithful to God while outside among the fallen, the lost. We must, dear friends, remain in Christ, fruitful in Christ. It's not enough being in. In is the first step to your salvation. We must remain in. You see, there's more to it than coming up out of the water. A Christian, born again, forgiven of sins. What a beautiful thing that is. But just think, if we were to, in our marriage, before the authorities and God putting male, female, husband, wife, two, becoming one. We say, I do. The commitment, the covenant is made. And then we just give up on marriage. And we do not produce and cultivate a friendship. You go your way, I'll go mine. We don't talk to each other. We become roommates instead of husband and wife in the home. And the children see that. And therein you produce an ancestry of chaos and division in the house. We've seen a great many families in the Old Testament go through those very things. It is for our learning. Well, of course not. When we say, I do, it is but the beginning. It's a beautiful beginning, a passionate beginning. I say, I do, that means I will love you till the very end. It must cultivate work. Now, when you come up out of the water, you are a Christian. You have been born again. You have been forgiven of your sins. You don't punch in the clock yet. We must grow strong. You must work on your faith and produce. If anyone, verse 6, does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them who well the dried up branches of course that aren't producing anything and what do they do with them well cast them into the fire and they are burned we don't need to fear that law if we are in Christ and producing fruit Producing fruit certainly involves having Bible studies with people and having them converted to Jesus and being born again. So it certainly has the um, necessity of numerical growth for Christ. That is indeed part of our task and office as Christians. We must bring people to Jesus so that the East Coast congregation can grow numerically. Certainly, none of us should deny that. But it's more than that, is it not? 
because we don't want to produce a swelling like a hot air balloon. We want to produce true growth. And so at times, it might not be numerically in which God sees our growth, but it might be collectively, independently in our own hearts for Christ as we learn to love each other more deeply. Jesus died for us. Would we be willing to die for each other's well-being? How do we tap into that love? That's a deep love. What use is it if we bring someone to Christ, yet truly we are not engaged and in interacting with each other as friends? What use is it if I bring someone here, but yet I don't really love any of you? It must be in spirit and truth, the right motive of the heart with the right doctrine. I am the vine. If anyone does not abide in me, if you abide in me, see how the language is very descriptive of, number one, free will. We have been blessed to make decisions. It is truly unfortunate to hear brethren who have been in the church 30, 40, 50, some 60 years, some elders, some evangelists, some preachers behind the pulpit who cannot discern the kind of fruit that God expects of us. It is sad indeed. May we not be found in that department of branches, for they will be burned. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, verse 7, if, remember, conditional, free will, again, back to the brethren who we have experienced throughout the many years, who have been in the church decades, yet have never truly been able to produce fruit. They don't recognize the responsibility we have with our free will. And so they continue to seek sensational or superstitious signs when they should open their eyes to the fact that we have been blessed with the stewardship of our Lord's uh, work. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. Verse 7. Again, what is the context? He's speaking to his disciples, his apostles. And what is the condition? In him. If we are in Christ, are we not going to pray according to his will? His will is for us to make it to heaven and to bring as many with us as possible. That's his will. He wants us to be faithful members of his local congregation here. He wants us to grow for his cause. 
And as such, he blesses us with the ability of peace and family and friendship. If you abide in me, if we remain with him and his word, you cannot separate those. Dear friends, you cannot separate those. You cannot be in Christ, yet reject, neglect his word. If you abide in me, if you remain in me and my words abide in you. You see, the Christ has to identify his living word within our lives. Quite different than those who would speak of God with their lips, but their hearts were far away from him. It's more than just being here. Is your mind here or only your body? Why are we told to worship in spirit and truth? Because it takes the right motive of the heart in cooperation with the right doctrine, the word of our Lord and Master. It takes more than you just showing up here and sitting down. Your mind must be fully involved. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom. Do we believe that? Do we believe that this congregation that belongs to our Lord and Master can double in size? We have to. We can do great things for our Lord and Master through His will and prayer. We just need to ask Him in good faith to His will. Lord, can we find land? Can we grow our influence in this community? Can we be productive? Can you bless us with other opportunities? Can you please grow your church? Can we be part of that? Would that not be a prayer according to his will? And will he not bless us with an answer? Well, of course. Now again, we respect and honor the immediacy of the context in which it is in the age of the miraculous power that would be given to the apostles. You and I today are blessed to be the recipients of the miraculous age, which confirmed the word you and I can read. So you and I know that we are reading a living book, the penmanship of the Holy Spirit. My father, verse 8, is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Some ignorantly say, I don't need to prove anything to anyone. And they hold their faith under a basket, never to be seen by any other. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. We seek to prove to our Lord and Master, that we belong to Him. How so? By abiding in Him and producing fruit. First and foremost, in your own mind, how can we ever be a productive and growing congregation to our Lord and Master if it does not first originate in our households? What takes place when we are not together collectively? During the week, what is taking place independently in your own homes with your husbands and wives and children, with your thoughts, 
it must originate within the motive of the heart first and foremost so that it can be of um, how should I say uh, of a of a, oh what's the right word that it would produce something uh, or contribute it would contribute to the growth of the congregation prove to be my disciples my dear friends we must certainly prove to our Lord and Master that we belong to him he demands it why have we read so many accounts in which he says I saw their faith it is sad that there are many Christians who have been employed for 20 30 40 years and none of the co-workers not even the employer ever knew that that individual was a Christian and a member of the church now of course we do not become belligerent or obnoxious and try to prove a point in where we belong and to whom we belong that would only bring reproach to the church and alienate people from wanting to know the love we have for our Lord and Master but it must be publicly known and transparent who we are my dear friends own it we're the quote-unquote cool ones the world might want to make us out to be uh, 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 something that should not be pursued something that is grotesque and 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 uh, well they will call what is good evil and what is evil good we must indeed prove to be disciples just as the father has loved me verse 9 I have also loved you abide in my love can we not understand how much the father has loved the son I am a father I know the love I have for my children I would give my life for my children just as the father has loved me I have also loved you abide in my love remain in the love of our Lord and Master it has to do with love not love in the description of the pharisaical kind or diotrophies as a heavy-handed brute and tyrant whose only purpose is pride control jealousy greed that is not love though they would claim it to be love it is not love producing fruits according to our Lord and Master of course were revealed by the pen of the Holy Spirit in Galatians in which we read and of course it certainly does uh, uh, also mean to proclaim the truth with strength and to defend the truth and to expose what is evil and to stay away from what is evil certainly it holds evangelistic presence and application just as the father has loved me I have also loved you abide in my love if the world out there sees this love within the East Coast Church of Christ which we know we try our best it will continue to attract people we've had other conversations this week of families who are genuinely thinking about moving here and being with us why because they see us <laughs> they see us online they see us out there they in a world filled with such hate and division and chaos to see something so united 
and familiar to them because once upon a time, mankind used to work that way in this country. They want to be part of it. They want to be here and work with us. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. I find that quite fascinating. Once again, it's more than law. It needs love. To know the law and practice the law void of love, we become noisy gongs. Oh, we'll draw attention to ourselves, but we won't be teaching anything of substance. If you keep my commandments, conditional, free will, if you keep my commandments, living in accordance to his instruction, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Was Jesus ever caught complaining or murmuring or unwanting to follow his father's commandments? Even to death? Well, of course not. Of course he experienced fear and sorrow. But he did not fall to the temptation of becoming bitter against his father. Sending me here to die for people who hate us? Why do we need these human beings anyways? <laughs> right? <laughs> he would have been right to to get rid of us yet again with another flood. But no, Jesus was submissive to his father. He loved his father. He did not murmur. He did not complain. And the motive of his heart was right. It wasn't just, well, I'll obey the law of my father. Fine. Fine, I'll go to church because if I don't, dad will punish me or something. Like we were speaking of in the podcast last night. <laughs> We want to cultivate our youth to be here because they love Jesus. Not because they'll get in trouble. Though, at times, isn't that a, necess a necessary conversation in the household? Sometimes when our children, we want to be rebellious, at times the parents must say, if you don't, you'll get in trouble. I mean, look what Jesus says here in regards to the vine. If you are not productive, you will be cut down and thrown in the fire. There is certainly... Necessity for the law to be revealed. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. If we teach our youth the love of our Lord and Master, they won't want to be murderers and liars and fornicators and adulterers and abortionists and homosexuals and gossips and all sorts of evil that's in the world that has caused us so much pain. They won't want to become self-righteous, ego-driven brutes and diatrophic individuals who do nothing but cause division among families and friends and families and churches. They will grow wanting to be lovingly united as members of the East Coast congregation. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things, verse 11, I have spoken to you so that my joy may be where in you and that your joy may be made full. There is a location in where? Christ. 
It is a location that has a beginning, a new birth. We must be born again out of water and the Spirit, added as legal citizens of His kingdom. And we must remain in Christ, faithful, producing fruit. And it will be much more desirable if we cultivate within the minds of our youth growing in this local assembly the right motive of the heart in accordance to the obedience with the law, mercy, and grace. We spoke in our midweek studies in regards to law. Our government can enforce every law it wants to. The problem with this country is not a matter of law. We have more than enough law. So where is the problem that we find ourselves in a fallen nation? If it's not the law, if it's not the money and the economy, which it isn't, where is it? It's in the hearts of the people. Some say, why was this congregation closing its doors? Why was it destroyed? Why is it come to naught? What has happened? There was not enough law. People just didn't want to follow the law. People... No, the motive of the heart was not cultivated to love each other and to love Jesus. That's why. And of course, the gospel invitation is always um, extended to all to be part of this wonderful family. As repentant believers confessing Christ as their Lord and Master, they qualify to call on His name as they are immersed, plunged, dipped, submerged, clothed, buried with Christ. To come up out of that water, added by the hand of God as a legal citizen of His kingdom to which He is crowned King. What a beautiful thing that is, but it is the beginning and we must remain faithful to Him. Okay, that will conclude this portion of scripture for this session. Let's move ahead with a song. 583. 